Good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Uh, I appear to be a little disorganized, but we'll get with it here. Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. This is Finding a Voice, spoken word programming here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. And we do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca as well. And coming up on the show today, <clears throat> excuse me, from an April 30th, City of Kingston and Kingston Frontenac Public Library organized poetry event to celebrate National Poetry Month uh, in an event called An Evening with Kingston's Poets Laureate and as emceed by Danica Lockheed and following a welcome and land acknowledgement by Georgina Riel. You'll hear in this hour readings by... Uh, outgoing Poet Laureate Helen Humphreys, Ashley Elizabeth Best, Kingston's first Poet Laureate Eric Folsom, Kai, and uh, Kai Pierce, and all of these with piano, uh, piano interludes uh, composed and performed by uh, Daryl Bryan uh, following each poet. And uh, the full event couldn't fit in this hour and continues into the next. So in the next hour, you'll hear the remainder of An Evening with Kingston Poets Laureate and readings by Zoe Coulter, Kingston's new poet uh, laureate, uh, Jason Haru, again with musical interludes by Daryl Bryan, and then also concluding remarks by, again, Danica Lockheed. Uh, following that, from an April 18th book launch event at Novel Idea, you'll hear Armand Garnett Rufel, Rufo, I'm sorry, uh, reading from his latest book, Treaty, uh, Treaty Number, and that's uh, published by uh, Wolsack and Wynn, and just published 2019. Uh, this first, though, the usual hourly announcement, occasionally some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. We'll have a bit of time to share upcoming events and calls for submissions at the end of the first uh, hour, maybe the second hour as well. So up first, from an April 30th, uh, City of Kingston and Kingston Frontenac Public Library organized poetry event to celebrate National Poetry Month called, again, An Evening with Kingston's Poets Laureate. Uh, you'll hear MC uh, Danica Lockheed. Uh, her opening remarks, followed by a welcome and land acknowledgement by Georgina Riel. And then the first uh, reading that evening by outgoing Poet Laureate Helen Humphreys. And then again with a musical piano interlude uh, by Daryl Bryan following that. And uh, Ashley Elizabeth Best. Uh, uh, and... Uh, See, no, she doesn't read in this one, so that's that's where it ends. So I was getting ahead of myself. Anyway, here we go. Poets Laureate. 
Kingston's Poet Laureate is an honorary position that celebrates the contribution of poetry and literary arts to life in Kingston. The Poet Laureate recognizes individual achievement in poetry and creates a spokesperson for literary arts within the community. The position of the Poet Laureate increases awareness of Kingston as a center of writing excellence and fosters creative writing in and around the city. Tonight's event will feature readings from our three Poets Laureates since the program's inception in 2010, including our current Poet Laureate, Jason Haru, outgoing Poet Laureate, Helen Humphrey, Oh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Our outgoing Poet Laureate, Helen Humphreys, and our inaugural Poet Laureate, Eric Folsom. Additionally, Jason, Helen, and Eric have all selected an emerging poet to participate in tonight's event. So we will also be hearing from Zoe Coulter, Ashley Elizabeth Best, and Kai Pierce, who will be reading some of their work. We are also so happy to have Daryl Bryan with us tonight on piano. Daryl has prepared musical interludes based on the poems you will hear tonight, which he will be playing in between the readings. I want to extend a big thank you to the Kingston Frontline Public Library for hosting us here in their beautifully revitalized central branch. I'm sure they've heard this a lot lately, but we're very, very happy that you're open again. <laughs> the library is an important partner in the Poet Laureate program and has played and continues to play an active role, and we're very grateful for your collaboration. So to begin tonight's event, I'd like to introduce Georgina Riel and welcome her up to the front to provide a welcome and land acknowledgement. Fanny, bonjour. Obishki mapakwe vishnikas. Mikanak bilem, hawani nidjaba, indere makanajo. What I said to you is that I offered my traditional greetings in my Anishinaabe language. I said hello and welcome. My name is White Bear Woman. I am originally from Batuana First Nations, uh, which is by Susie but I have been a resident here for Kingston for 17 years. I am Turtle Clan. I am always grateful to be part of these kinds of events because they're always excited to share who we are as people. Uh, but I also want us to always recognize the land that we are always on, how we walk generously on this land, how we glide, how we run. It's important to always acknowledge it, not just that it's our space and place, but the people who came before us. And the people who came before us are the Mississauga Ojibwe's, the Huron Wendat, and recently the Haudenosaunee, the Métis, the Inuit, and you, all of you here today. So we must always acknowledge where we are in our present space. <laughs> I'm very thankful for Jason for asking for me to come here today. Um, I've always enjoyed my, my two times that we've met. We've had amazing conversation um, to share. And I'm grateful for this today because I wore this skirt particularly because when Jason met me the first time, I did the opening for the library here. <coughs> and I had a special skirt made for that day. And there was the teachings of the Ojibwe people, the seven teachings in particular. Because our people are oral people. We use our oral language, we use pictures to describe, to communicate, to tell our stories. When I shared with the ladies here today who are interpreters, I said that the Anishinaabe language in particular, we are a descriptive language. So when you see our word, it's actually compelled to four to six words into one big long word. Because we, we don't have literary words for who we are. So this describes me as who I am here today. So since I'm white bear woman, that's me here. Please represent my two sons, uh, my two cubs. 
So I always enjoyed having an opportunity to tell the stories of who we are. And just because I'm an Anishinaabe person doesn't mean that I'm the only one that has a story. We all have stories here today. And those beautiful words that our poets share here with all of us, it's amazing. We have the gift to say those words. But these ladies here today have the gift to share with their hands and how they speak and talk. So I thank all of you for coming here in a good way. I'm glad that all of us arrived here safely. Please take the time when you leave to go to your destination safely into your loving home. Be switch. Thank you, Georgina. So before we get into the readings, we wanted to take this opportunity to thank and recognize the contributions of the city's outgoing poet laureate, Helen Humphreys. I would like to, at this moment, just invite Kim up with me. I'm from the library. She will also just be saying a few words of thanks. So during Helen's tenure as poet laureate from 2015 to 2018, she worked extensively with the library to support the professional development of emerging poets, provide mentorship opportunities, and nurture creative writing in our city. Helen worked primarily with librarian Anne Hall, who also supports programming and outreach for the library, to create and offer a series of one-on-one -on -one sessions and group workshops for aspiring poets in the city. She also hosted annual Poetry Month readings in April each year, and leveraged platforms such as the library's Poetry Blackboard to promote the work of local poets. In the workshops she ran, Helen focused on different aspects of writing and performing poetry, meeting with groups of writers at library branches across the city. Throughout the four years, Helen marked National Poetry Month by hosting readings that brought visiting and local poets together, including Eric Folsom, Michael Castiles, Sandra Davies, and Natalie Sorensen, among many others. As Poet Laureate, Helen wrote four poems titled Three Owls and a Bayonet, Marsh, January 1st, and Limestone, which were read every year at the City of Kingston's Mayor's Levy event. Helen, I believe, will be reading three of these poems this evening. One of these poems is being especially recognized tonight. To mark and celebrate Helen's legacy and contributions as Poet Laureate, we're excited to announce that her poem Limestone has now been permanently installed here at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library on the main floor near the windows facing Johnson Street. This installation honors Helen's writing and impact as Poet Laureate in the space where so much of her work took place. We definitely encourage you to stop by on your way out and read the poem and view the installation. So on, on behalf of the Kingston Frontenac Public Library, I'd like to express my really incredible gratitude to Helen. Uh, the poet, Poetry Blackboard on the library's website, that was Helen's creation. She launched it, all of the poems there she curated from Kingston Poets, and now Jason's continuing that work, so that legacy will go on. So if you haven't yet visited the Poetry Blackboard, please do. And we had so many people come to us and tell us what an impact Helen had on their um, growth as a writer. So for all your one-on-ones and your workshops, thank you so much. It really brought people into the library in a new way, and, and they left inspired and writing. So thank you so much, Helen, for all of your work over the last four years. Thanks, so at 
this time, we also want to officially welcome Jason Harood uh, to the, as our newest poet, poet laureate. Appointed to the position in November 2018, Jason's tenure began with the writing of a new poem titled, I Woke Up in My City, which he read at the Mayor's Levy event on January 1st, 2019. In addition, Jason has been working with the library, offering one-on-one -on -one mentorship opportunities to local writers and hosting workshops, which will continue throughout the year. As we look ahead to the summer, Jason will be forming a volunteer poetry group that will meet regularly to talk about needs and ideas in the literary community to help inform his work as Poet Laureate. Jason will also be launching a Poetry in Public Places program this summer that, that aims to help people discover poetry in unexpected places. Jason has also been participating in city events, most recently at the launch of a new cultural heritage program at the city called Your Stories, Our Histories, that features storytellers with a connection to Kingston and a conversation on why stories are important in telling our collective history. Jason's connection to the local community runs quite deep, and he has been engaged in various events and projects, including the grand reopening of this library and the film Who is Bruce Kaufman as one of nine local poets featured, which had its premiere at the 2019 Kingston Canadian Film Festival. He has also been collaborating with the Skeleton Park Arts Festival on its public poetry program, acting as a mentor to local emerging poet Olivia Owes, as well as working with the Kingston Writers Fest as a member of the programming advisory group. It's been so wonderful to work with Jason in this role, and although it's only been a few short months, his vision is clear and already in motion to help create new ways of introducing poetry to the hearts and minds of the community and celebrate the diverse texture of Kingston's past, present, and future literary arts. Welcome, Jason. Me. Um, I'm going to turn it over to the poets now. When you arrived, you would have um, received a one-pager, uh, double-sided, that has a full bios of all the poets we're going to hear from tonight. But I am going to introduce them briefly, and then I'll get out of the way. Uh, in between the readings, Daryl will be providing a musical interlude, and then I'll just provide some closing remarks at the end. So I'm going to introduce them in the order that they are reading tonight. Helen Humphreys was Kingston's Poet Laureate from 2015 to 2018. Helen has published four collections of poetry and several novels and books of fiction, including Anthem, The Evening Chorus, A Novel, and Nocturne. Accolades for her work include the City of Toronto Book Award, the Rogers Writers Trust Fiction Prize, the Lambo Prize for Fiction, and the Canadian Authors Association Award for Poetry. Helen regularly teaches writing across the country and has also served as a writer-in-residence at Queen's University. Ashley Elizabeth Best is from Coburg, Ontario, and now lives and writes in Kingston. Ashley's work has appeared in CB2, Berfois, Grist, Ambit Magazine, and the Literary Review of Canada. In 2015, she was a finalist for the Robert Croach Award for Innovative Poetry. Her debut collection, Slow States of Collapse, was published with ECW Press. Eric Folsom was the city's first poet laureate from 2011 to 2014. Eric is the author of diverse collections of poetry, including What Kind of Love Did You Have in Mind? and Poems for Little Cataraque. He was an editor for Quarry Magazine, taught writing, hosted the Cargo Culture Poetry Reading Series, and has been a librarian. 
His work has been widely published in Canadian literary journals and anthologies, and read on CBC's The Vinyl Cafe. Kai Pierce got their start writing poetry growing up in rural Newfoundland, and now, in addition to writing poetry, is a doctoral student at Queen's University, exploring indig indigeneity and virality as they relate to queerness. Kai chairs the Queen's Cultural Studies Program Curriculum Committee, serves on its Ethics Review Board, and coordinates the annual international and disciplined graduate conference. Zoe Coulter has lived half her life in the city and half in the country, and her diverse interests and hobbies reflect this experience. Among other things, she loves books, especially sci-fi and fantasy, music, and the outdoors. Zoe writes poetry and the occasional short story, and is currently learning how to play guitar. <laughs> Jason Haru is the city's current poet laureate, and the author of four books of poetry, including Hard Work Cheering Up Sad Machines, and three novels, including Amusement Park of Constant Sorrow, published last year. Born in Montreal, Jason moved to Kingston in 1990 to study at Queen's University. His works have been translated into French, Italian, and Arabic, and have, have appeared in several anthologies. Please join me in welcoming our poets. I want to thank um, Danica and the City of Kingston and also Kim and Anne and everybody from the library who have been so great to work with for my laureate years. And I also want to welcome Jason to the role and he's going to have fun. It's my, my job. Um, uh, I'm just going to read my kind of greatest hits from the poet laureate. The <laughs> three poems that I wrote, three out of the four, the fourth being downstairs by the window, uh, and in the order in which they appeared. Um, Right? Three owls and a bayonet. In the same week, three owls and a bayonet. Snowy owls on fence and field, their ghostly plumage easy to spot in the snowless winter. The bayonet in the middle of a road, as though shucked from a soldier's rifle that day when it really belonged in the First World War. Tempting to make something into a symbol, the owl's good luck, the bayonet's bad, or the opposite, the owl's messengers from beyond the grave, the bayonet about keeping boundaries. This is how we make our stories and our lives, from what appears before us, from what we find by accident. We are made up of history and nature, of the past that is built on top of a past we cannot see, of the lake and woods and sky that surround our town. Who we are is altered and added to every day by what we notice and what we discover, and by the story we shape to tell about it. Next, we head to year number two. <laughs> so fast. Uh, this is Marsh. I tried uh, in my poems for the laureateship to write about uh, the natural history of Kingston. That's sort of where my focus was. Um, so the bayonet just got in there because it was a very strange thing that just happened. I was really going to write about the owls, but it happened in the same. Okay, but this is Marsh. It is the hinge between lake and land, where blackbirds sway on rushes and herons rise on stiffened wings, where water is a form of darkness and the choir of wild iris sings with meadowsweet and willow. It is neither solid ground nor entirely melt, but shifts its state to what is found, matching creature and season, 
giving us to relief from absolutes, a fate where we can dream ourselves as sway or rise or earthly song. Uh, from last year, January 1st, 2018. <coughs> With the snow comes the sudden flush, flush of sumac and winterberry, the last of the rose hips, a memorial to summer's extravagant bloom. With the cold come the ice feathers, slowly fusing the lake shut under the sharp sting of stars through a lace of winter trees. Our world, not so much transformed as remembered, held in place, displayed. Creek ice, the color of smoke, because the water was frozen while it was still on the move. Thank you very much. Thank you for everything. just heard uh, MC and Danica Lockheed's welcome, Georgia Riel's land acknowledgement, and outgoing, uh, outgoing um, Kingston uh, Poet Laureate Helen Humphreys reading, and then uh, with Daryl Bryan's musical interlude, and that was again at the April 30th City of Kingston and Kingston Frontenac Public Library organized poetry events uh, to help uh, celebrate National Poetry Month in an evening called, uh, in fact, an event called, I should say, An Evening with Kingston's Poets Laureate. Up next in it, uh, you're going to hear Ashley Elizabeth Best and then again Daryl. 
Prime. First of all, I just want to thank Helen for inviting me and Dan and Jason and the library for organizing this. Um, I'm going to read one poem from my first and only book so far. <laughs> of Collapse. It's the very last uh, poem in the collection. It's called To Know About the Fire. Truth is, she's a late in life oopsie baby, proud of what her body can do, toes pointed to Jesus. She wants more than she gives, careful to keep her secrets to herself. To know about the fire, the mock distinctions, everything saved will be lost. That pugnacious presence, her belief you haven't lived until you've showered at a husky gas station. <laughs> Everyone's heard rumors of her travels, the colored strobing of a coastal sunset, yellow warblers dickering in the verdant mane of a tree. She knows nothing of these vocalizations, and said, wears at the crotch of her jeans, province by province. Later, in the dark of a bus, grieves the poetry of ancient place names, puddles in their sacrifice, a final cabin at her center. Uh, the next two, a little newer, the last year, which uh, is a big deal for me. I haven't been writing much, so <laughs> here we go. Magpies in flight. Last night, I had a dream. We were standing inside the entrance of a grocery store. Pumpkins surrounded us. You kept saying something, but only magpies came from the dark stretch of your mouth. I'll blame the concussion. Ever since that ladder fell on my head, I've been dreaming of a life that never could have existed. My parents still together, you still alive and rubbing the arch of my foot after a hard day at work. I would have you know, I look fine this year. Age suits me well. I still look young, but maybe a little, little weathered. Here's the betrayal. My life isn't so bad now. This future where no one I know will recognize your name. This last one is called, the best thing about today is it is a feeling and it won't last. <laughs> Today, my mother sent me a framed picture of her heart, ladybug stickers in each corner, a chest preparing for new growth. I'm not sorry anymore that she doesn't like her life. My poems are dispirited by her, thick mentions of road trips and landscapes, and pissing into late stacks canister while stuck in traffic. Today is a feeling, and this feeling won't last. My kitchen lights flicker like I imagine the pulse of my mother's heart did on the ultrasound machine. Today is a day where everything contains the possibility of her, of the heart she is trying to salvage. Who else would understand the tease of her punctuated laugh or decipher an ultrasound image of a heart, a letter you're too embarrassed to read twice? Thank you.
just heard, Ashley as Elizabeth Best's uh, reading uh, with, again, uh, Daryl Bryan's uh, musical interpretation interlude. In the uh, April 30th, City of Kingston and Kingston Frontenac Public Libraries organized poetry event uh, to celebrate National Poetry Month and called an evening with Kingston's Poets Laureate. Tell you what, I uh, don't know where this first half hour has gone. Went by very nicely, very quickly. Let's do this. The Kingston Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org, email info at 99york.org, or call 613-542-1136. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400 kilometers to get to your table. Eating local means combating global warming. The future is on your table. Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org. Folk everything. Every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional folk, modern folk, future folk, and strange deviations from the norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture here on CFRC. Says Red to James, that's a fine motorbike. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, uh, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, and we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. So let's go ahead and go back into that April 30th, City of Kingston and Kingston Frontenac Public Library organized poetry event to celebrate National Poetry Month in an event, again, called An Evening with Kingston's Poet Laureate. And you'll hear up next that evening, Kingston's first uh, Poet Laureate, Eric Folsom, again, with a musical piano interpretation or interlude by uh, Daryl Bryan following it. Here we go. Hi. 
Um, I'm going to read some relatively recent work, most uh, of the last few years, most uh, where I've been looking at love and gender and sexuality and identity. And, um, so I'll just read. The first poem is a sonnet. It's, it's, it's a love sonnet with a terrible pun in the title. Um, if you remember your high school physics, it's a terrible pun. Forest times mass equals acceleration. A dark path with bright sunlight slicing across, undermining the shape-bound gravitas of trees. We've spent too much time in the holy forest of loss, wading brooks and frigid streams up to our knees. Pausing to dry bodies and clothes in noon's beam. Bending our ears to the rush of water's noise ripe with pleasure and its own liquid self-praising dream. Bright Patterson pans carved pipe. Such turgid illustrations, metaphorical and coy, clipped to the act of remembering your presence. How your arms and mine made a hidden pool of joy that spilled and refilled me content and quiescent. Sprung from dark woodlands previously unknown, the well of your kisses became my second home. So those of you who enjoy music might remember a singer-songwriter of the Vancouver named Farron. Um, so this references Farron a lot, and uh, in particular a song by her called The Sun and City. It's also the title of the poem. The Sunken City. Early fall of 1991 and I am driving alone from eastern Ontario to Massachusetts in a rusty, capricious Chevrolet Caprice with a stack of music cassettes for company. The new album by Farron, Phantom Center, fills the dashboard slot over and over. Beautiful Butch Farron from British Columbia, gentle and deep with dark, hidden currents like the St. Lawrence River beneath the bridge that I'm crossing while she catches my mood. To be what you are is one thing, she proves. To be what you want, now that's something else. My voice cracks suddenly, on the verge of crying as the U.S. border guard asks me the purpose of my visit, and I stammer an explanation. My father, critical in ICU at Leahy, don't know how long he's going to last. I want to see him before he dies. The guard waves me through before I dissolve completely. My stepmother phoned the night before, in the middle of my wife's birthday party, to tell me about the stroke, about the ambulance, about the doctors doing everything they could. By morning, I was flying down the highway, a quick breakfast at McDonald's beside Fort Rome, pushing an array of baggage down the road. The alcoholic father of the small town called the faggot, the normative world, no apparent room for me. But Ferenc sings, the map of the sky has a place for you. She understood. 
understands I'm clutching the wheel and crying. She's metaphorically holding my hand. She realizes how easily you could feel sorry for yourself while driving 500 miles to see a man who bullied you, a man who loved you but found you incomprehensible, a vague, long-haired peacenik in Canada. At the same moment, I'm driving away from my marriage. Though no one knows yet the slow motion collapse that will be started by the weeks of separation, driven by disaffection, dysphoria, internalized by phobia, a life where I loved everyone but myself, and the necessary words to describe me with this. Farron holds me up. So I play the tape again. There's wreckage in the rear view and wreckage ahead. Never mind, she says. Let's go in search of the sunken city. And she suggests, let's go on a hunch and give this a name. Could the name be bisexual, even though I love a woman? Could the people who called me fairy and pansy be partly right? What about the people who told me I wasn't strong enough, wasn't straight enough, not sufficiently masculine, just too sensitive? Farron gives a verbal shrug, repeats the course. To be what you are is one thing. To be what you want. Now that's something else. And um, for the next poem, I'll, uh, there's a little bit of Latin, amor not tenet or didem, uh, and it just means, you know, love doesn't obey the rules. <laughs> and uh, the title of the poem, is Religion of the Insecure, and yes, that is a Lady Gaga reference, so <laughs> we've managed to put Latin and Lady Gaga in the same <laughs> Religion of the Insecure. The long moment when he said, completely out of context, he didn't like you, never liked you, never liked your kind. Your self-esteem stuck between vernal and vermin. Your boot lost in the mud, amor non tenet ordinam. What did he mean by the scare word elitist that blunt put down heteronormative men use? Was it don't kiss his grievances to the fullness of sorrow, or don't touch his lips to the pollen of discovery? To become who we wanted instead of what was required. Hearts prone to hang fire, no matter how smartly loaded. No more slouching on couches in search of self-worth. No more wondering what bastard really meant by your kind. It's the kind without the honey of self-certainty, honey. It's the kind who would never base kindness on likeness. The kind who likes the unlike and kinds the unkind. The kind, simply kind like you.
just heard uh, Kingston's first uh, poet laureate, uh, Eric Folsom's reading uh, with Daryl Bryan's uh, piano interlude in the April 30th City of Kingston and Kingston Frontenac Public Library organized poetry event to celebrate uh, National Poetry Month. And it was called, again, An Evening with Kingston's Poets Laureate. Up next in it, here is Kai Pierce. Hi, everyone. I want to start by thanking everyone who's gotten this so far. Like, I'm really humbled to be surrounded by such beautiful poetry and such beautiful music. Um, I'll just start. <laughs> I don't like to introduce myself very thoroughly, but it speaks for itself, really. This first one is just called January 2018. My hair blows in the wind like wild rose bush. Fragments dance around me, an aura of pastel pink sunrise. I have been hiding deep in these roots for so long, fearing winter's frost and summer's scorn that I have neglected to let myself grow. I have plucked my stars from your sky and strung them around my neck like pearls. I've spent eternities crafting these infernos and they can no longer be your, your decorations. My stars are worth more than your comfort at night. <coughs> I once grew flowers on the riverbanks of my love, but I have since learned to take them and paint my skin. These crushed petals redefine the meaning of my flesh. Pink stains on this scarred and fractured ivory. I labor to declaim my autonomy with every brushstroke. Once a skeleton turned playground, I have since found rebirth. My ribs reclaimed from the bird's nest support this pounding heart. Lungs heaving as they expel the cold oceans that have filled them. My stars and roses have re reanimated these long dead eyes as I shrug off my root-bound dormancy and reach up into the sky to craft a cosmos where this soul can finally be the home in this body. The second one is called Birdsong, um, and it wrote this probably eight to 10 months after this, the previous one. <coughs> the sun is rising and there is Birdsong, dancing in between the panes of my flower-shredded bedroom windows, laying, dozing here amongst the wildflowers of our hearts, listening to that orchestra just barely audible above the limestone. Galaxy hands, we are in the dog days of our summer. Our ships still coasting on summer seas, but in just five days, you change course in search of Lyra, and I'll stay mine in search of Corvus. The same stars, the different worlds. I, the bird, and you, the song, without one another. Galaxy hands, we are two ships passing in the morn, so our paths are clear, though our futures may not be. Honey, the oceans are only so large. If we keep sailing these seas, chasing our dreams, we are bound to meet again on different tides in other times, but under the same moon, born of the same stars. 
and this final one is called Beach Dreams. Uh, I wrote this one in August. I went to Newfoundland for a visit after a long time away. Home betwixt Atlantic and Appalachian, beneath Mars, Orion, Ursa, I am sleeping and seeping into the earth, into a field of wild iris, brazenly violet against the gray sky of a foggy Friday evening. I am seeping into the roots of a wild rose bush large enough to be a seed. Its white and pink flowers blooming across my chest, mapping the stars that are now hanging from the sky, brilliant pearls of wisdom waiting to be grasped. You can't see them like this in the city. They hide from you, afraid of concrete hearts and concrete souls, unable to shine around concrete minds. But today I am home again on sandy seashore, reunited with the Atlantic, who extends a hand to stroke the hair from my face and fill my lungs with life. Sea breeze seeping in through my skin, the best medicine after solitude and salt water. Have you ever brought your beating heart to the sea and thrown it in, trusting that the ocean will bring it back to you? That is how I have loved the ocean. That is how the ocean has loved me. In the morning, the sun will rise from the sea, blaring pink and orange and baby blue onto the skies that blanket my home in night. For a few moments, the sun will kiss the stars goodbye. They will retreat behind the giants to my back. But this time, no, this time, I will gather the stars in my cupped hands, bathe them in the pink of my morning soul, and string each one around my neck. Thank mm -hmm. you.
And you just heard uh, Kai Pierce's uh, reading with Daryl Bryan's piano interlude in uh, the, or at, uh, might be a better word, the April 30th City of Kingston and Kingston Front Neck Public Library organized poetry event to uh, celebrate National Poetry Month. Again, that event was called An Evening with Kingston's Poets Laureate. And uh, with still a few minutes uh, left, but not enough to include another segment in this hour, so we'll wait for the following two pieces uh, that were part of that uh, after the top of the first hour. But again, with a few minutes uh, left to share, uh, here now then, a few, uh, I think I've got a couple of calls that I'll uh, give a shout out to as well, because they're about to expire. But... uh, First thing I'd like to do is say thank you for tuning in to the first hour today. You are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM, again located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. And my name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6. And we do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. One other thing I always mention, if I can or at least try to at the end of each hour is that uh, to let you know that uh, each hour or both hours or whichever of the show are saved each week to my blog space for it after I get home will remain there four years at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com or no dot on cfrcfm.wordpress how's that dot com I believe <laughs> I don't know why I left that out Anyway, up next, let's find these, uh, yeah, because we're down to the like the final five days or so of these calls for submissions, and they're both uh, lit journals, online lit journals. Uh, the first call is for uh, poetry, photography, and uh, even reviews, but uh, it's open to Canadian authors and artists only. Uh, it, uh, title of the uh, journal is called Devour. Art and Lit Canada was established in August of 2017. is an is a semi-annual uh, art and lit magazine. As and they say, seeking to promote uh, the Canadian uh, promote Canadian art with some of the art world. Boy, I can't even read today. With some of the best Canadian lit photography and art. Uh, accepting uh, submissions for poetry and or photography in three sections directly below. And uh, they are uh, Canada under 25. So if you're under 25 and you'd like to submit, I'd really suggest that. They also have uh, Open Mic Canada and uh, also Quintessentially Canadian, uh, which happens to be also the... uh, I'm the editor of that section. So you can send up to three pieces max. Uh, best thing to do is just go to uh, their website, uh, www.hiddenbrookpress.com. Uh, the other call for submissions, again, only has, and that uh, both of these are uh, uh, May 15th are the deadlines. The other one is local, and they are looking for poetry, prose, photography, or visual art. And it's called Freelet Magazine. It's a bi-monthly online journal. 
Uh, it is the man, well, I should say they're looking for submissions of poetry, short stories, essays, and other prose, photography, and visual art. Each issue is thematic, and uh, their theme for this issue is beauty. And uh, I know she does appreciate a loose interpretation of the theme. So keep that in mind, if just in case you don't think you have anything, you might actually. Uh, they're... Uh, yeah, this is for the May issue, and uh, again, May 15th, uh, one minute before midnight is the end of their call for this uh, go-around. And let's see, let's go ahead and move into find the events section here. How much time? I've got a couple of minutes. It should work. I will tell you uh, there also, because I'm kind of crowding things that are expiring is uh, this? we're into the final, today and tomorrow are the end of the Juvenus Festival um, 2019. And uh, I would really suggest uh, you try to catch as much of it as you can. Hopefully some of you have gone to some of the workshops or events already. But uh, I'm just going to give you their website, www.juvenusfestival.ca. And when you go there, you can, you'll uh, just, in their taglines there, uh, look for a festival schedule, and then you can go to, it should bring up both uh, the events that are happening and the workshops that might be left. And then also this Sunday is, or I should say, not also, but also this weekend, this Sunday, uh, there's a reading at the Tamworth Bookshop in support of Children's Book Week. And I don't know how many of you knew it was Children's Book Week, so there you go. So in support of them, Barbara Nichol will be reading will be reading from Lady of Kent. It's a book of light verse for children. Uh, it is a Peddler Press book uh, with sophisticated work, it says, and with cover blurbs by Eleanor Wachtel and um, my yeah, could be Watchtel, but I think it's Wachtel, and Judith Thompson and Esther Spalding. All are welcome. There will be light refreshment. This, again, will be Sunday, May 12th at 2 p.m., and it's at the bookshop in Tamworth, which is located at the bottom of Peel at Bridge Street East. And uh, if you want more information, go to info at tamworthbookshop.com. Com. And it looks to me like the clock just changed over to 5 o'clock. So those are the two events that are going to expire this weekend. So I was happy to get them in. And now it's a few seconds after 5. You are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Case, if you just turned in, uh, we are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock, and we do stream live online at www.cfrc.ca. So in the second hour, uh, we're going to conclude uh, the event begun in the first hour, and in it you'll hear the remainder, the final two uh, readings and musical interludes in an evening with Kingston's Poets Laureate, with readings by Zoe Coulter and Kingston's inaugural and new poet laureate, Jason Heru. 
again, musical interludes uh, with Daryl Bryan at the end of each of their readings. And then you'll also hear concluding remarks by the evening's MC, uh, Danica Lockheed. And then following that, uh, we're going to go back to an April 18th book launch event at Novel Idea Bookstore. And in it, you'll hear Armand Garnett Rufo uh, reading from his latest book, Treaty Number. Again, that was published by Wolsack and Wynn. Just came out here in 2019. This first, though, usual hourly announcement. Occasionally, some poetry, spoken word, and music played on this show may contain strong language. All played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. And again, I will have, uh, maybe not quite as long, but I should still have a few minutes at the end of this hour to share a few more upcoming events. So, let's go ahead and just go back into... That April 30th, uh, City of Kingston and Kingston Frontenac Public Library Poetry Event uh, that was held to celebrate National Poetry Month. Again, called An Evening with Kingston's Poets Laureate. Up next that evening, and uh, just jumping back in from where we left off in the first hour, up next you'll hear Zoe Coulter, and again with a musical piano interlude by Daryl. Brian following it. Hi, I'm somewhere that when you're scared, you should like tell everyone that it's different. So <laughs> it's working already. Um, uh, I want to thank Jason for the opportunity. Um, I really have an introduction. The wanting of words. Words cannot capture the color of the creeping tree. They cannot trace the sinew of the blue beach, the feel of it beneath bare hands and feet. And they cannot sing as a strong wind sings, roaring through the forest above you, streaming through your hair, reddening your face and ears and hands, leaving you heart beating alive. Words are lies because everything else is true. Life is truth, so bird song and wings and trees are truth. The words strain and stretch and make for it, but they cannot catch it. It is all lightness, touch, and the shine of raindrops misting on your eyelashes. And words cannot escape their slow, heavy-footed thoughts that pull around them like the shadows of velvet dreams. All they can hold are hazy, too sweet honey memories, a hint of the smell of rain, pollen and green things, but no more. Not enough to satisfy, all they do is leave us waiting. You look towards to teach you other people's time blurred memories of lives lived backwards. I ask for words to help me untangle hearts and give a rhythm to my jumbled thoughts on jostling wants and needs and wishes. We wade hip deep through words because they sink in the waves like tinted glass. Look through them and see what is not there. They whisper of a wind-chimed future and offer up hope like sunlight. But like memories and wishes, I cannot trust them. I cannot trust myself with too much love, or I will be lulled by their heavy grasp and hold into thinking they have attained what they cannot. For it is a different thing to merely live and be alive in words they want. 
nights are paradoxes of quiet loudness and bright darkness. Shadows at the edges of your eyes resolve into neon beings, angels watching from the church tops, hollowed sirens spinning red, blue, white, bright, signaling to the heavens, stalking hearts with unknown fear, offering momentary lives until the church bells toll on the hour and the sound fills ears and breathes new life into souls that still need resuscitating. Even after all these years, hearing sins and punishments pronounced across downtown radio and television altar news. Prayers in dark, quiet streets are made quieter by the faraway car lines as crosswalk blasters sing near cool pavement for red light. No one asks for rain from the rooftop gardeners, yet it still patters down, sending figures scattering through empty doorways and forgotten Superman umbrellas and lit up gas station asphalt. Anywhere dry enough to sit and inhale the oil dust at your bar. Watching the flickers of street like hat halos in this dripping wilderness of metal, plastic, and cement. Petroglyphs betray the oldness of the stones, yellow, black, and silver spray paint, proclaims visions seen in waking sleep. We are lonely in the crowds. We are surrounded by breathing bodies yet see no one. City nights are paradoxes of empty crowds.
And you just heard uh, Zoe Coulter's reading with Daryl Bryan's uh, piano interlude at the April 30th City of Kingston and Kingston Frontenac Public Library organized poetry event, again, to help celebrate National Poetry Month in an evening, again, called An Evening (laughs) with Kingston's Poets Laureate. And up next, to finish out that event, uh, you'll hear incoming uh, Kingston Poet Laureate Jason Haru with a musical interlude again by a final one by Daryl Bryan and uh, MC uh, Danica Lockheed's concluding remarks. So here we go. Thank you, Daryl, for that beautiful interlude. Um, thank you, Danica and the City, the library, and Georgina for your generous and warm welcome. And thank you all of you for, for being here tonight. Um, I'd like to thank the other poets as well who read um, Zoe's uh, second poem, untitled, will be posted on the Kingston Library's Poetry Blackboard website tomorrow. And so please visit the library website to check that poem and all the other poems that, that have been posted in the past. I'll be reading three poems tonight. The first poem is called Yield. According to the Cambridge English Dictionary, the word yield has multiple meanings. It means to supply or produce something positive, such as profit, an amount of food, or information. But it also means to give up the control of or responsibility for something, often because you've been forced to. So this poem explores how it feels those two meanings to exist side by side. Yield. Our yield is now. This moment is what will eventually become of us. Our only harvest is the one we're gathering. Water is drawn by the one with the well. Whoever has lungs will breathe in and out. The one with the horse will ride into town. Everything is nothing but horns honking at death and numbers attacking numbers. Apricot jam stuck on the table knife. Everything is nothing but almonds divided by almonds and grass blades savoring our shadow champagne. A car without wheels crawling through mud. Why does everyone seek refuge elsewhere? Whoever has the orange will peel the skin. Whoever has a thread will feed the needle. The one with enough footsteps will walk to the store. Our only harvest is the one we're gathering. This moment is what will eventually become of us. Our yield is now. The next poem is called Hard Work Cheering Up Sad Machines. Someone asked me what that title meant, and I told them, well, let's say you have a bang machine, and it's sad. (laughs) Because no one wanted to be a coffee machine. So in order to cheer it up one day, you throw your coffee on it, and it starts to short-circuit and spark. So now the machine is happy, but you don't have any coffee left. Now you have to go get coffee, find another bang machine, and that's a lot of hard work. <laughs> that might be what the poem's about, but I'd like to leave your own interpretation for it. Hard work cheering up sad machines. It's easy to breathe if you're breathing. Breathe all you want. The air is too old and weak to run away. Your life is a gift with your name on it. A word there's no word for. Breathe all you want. It's easy to breathe if you're breathing. The air is an all-you-can-breathe buffet. It's hard work cheering up sad machines. Hard work cleaning a numbers cage. 
Our heartbeats are staggered staples holding us together. Birds sing like kettles boiling song water. Your life is a gift with your name on it. And your life is a word there's no word for. Breathe all you want. Breathe all you want. The last poem I'll read tonight is called Pink Flip-Flop Sonnet. I went down to the lake. There was no lake. I became the lake. A little pink flip-flop washed up on my shore. It wasn't for the right foot, and it wasn't for the wrong. I played a couple of games of volleyball with the moon. I lost one. I won one. I walked back home. There was no home. I became my home and lived on and on and on. Thank you. <laughs>
beautiful piece um, does conclude our evening tonight, and I just want to say a very, very big thank you to all six of our poets this evening, to Daryl for the beautiful music, to Georgina for the translation as well, to you too, uh, and to the library for hosting us here this evening, and, and thanks to all of you for coming out um, in support of Poetry in Kingston. We do have some refreshments, um, so feel free to stick around. I think our poets will be around for a little bit. And again, please do stop by downstairs and look, um, check out Helen's uh, installation on your way out. Thank you again. And you just heard incoming uh, Kingston Poet Laureate Jason Haru uh, and following his uh, reading, a musical interlude by Daryl Bryan and uh, MC uh, Danica Lockheeds, and I should say organizer of the event as well, uh, concluding remarks in the April 30th uh, City of Kingston and uh, I should say maybe City of Kingston Organize and Kingston Frontenac Public Libraries uh, hosting of the event to celebrate, uh, again, National Poetry Month on the last day of it, which is a pretty cool way to end April as National Poetry Month. Month, And the event was called An Evening with Kingston Poets Laureate. Going to switch gears up a little bit here and uh, just going back uh, not well, less than a month even. Uh, you're going to hear from an April 18th book launch event at Novel Idea Bookstore. Uh, you're going to hear in that, uh, I should say, introduced. Uh, he was introduced by bookstore owner Oscar Milan. Uh, you're going to hear Armand Garnett Rufo reading from his latest book called Treaty Number. And it is uh, was published by Wilsock and Wynn. It just came out. Oh, I don't know, a month or two ago. And uh, anyway, I believe it's got a 2019 copyright date. So here we go. Here is Armand Garnett Rufo, as introduced by Oscar at Novel Idea Bookstore. Thank you very much, everybody, for coming. I'm so glad that Armand has come out with a book, with another book, because we love to have Armand around. <laughs> and uh, to have a new book, it was really great for us. Um, I could read a little bit of his biography. He's a scholar and poet of Ojibwe heritage, and he's among the second generation of contemporary indigenous writers in Canada to begin publishing in the late 1980s and the early 1990s. And you've written quite, quite a few things. Please welcome Armand. I think well, it's a real pleasure to be here. And as I always uh, like to start, I'd like to acknowledge that we're on Anishinaabe land and uh, Haudenosaunee land. And I think at one point the Wyandotte were here too. Anyway, I guess it was a big land with a lot of people on them. Anyway, so. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to start by acknowledging the Indigenous peoples and then just say a word about the book. So what happened was um, in the early, when was it, 1994, I, had a, I was thinking about the treaties a lot. And in 1994, I published a, book, a poem called um, 
poem from Duncan Campbell Scott, who was one of the architects of the residential school, and he was a poet himself. Anyway, that poem was kind of a signaling of my interest, and the reason I wrote that poem is because I had I had relatives who actually signed were signatories to the Robinson Huron Treaty in 1850, 1850s, and then later. Uh, this particular uh, grandfather of my grandmother met Duncan Campbell Scott. His name was Sakwajic, and that poem was about that encounter. So I'd been thinking a lot about um, treaties, but as I thought about treaties, I realized you know we make treaties with ourselves. You know we we you know we have formal treaties we make. We have you know obviously indigenous settler treaties, but we also have personal treaties. So when I was looking at this text and, and trying to figure out what's the glue that holds it together, it's all these kinds of trees. So the book is, is you know, wide-ranging. It covers a lot of different things. So I'm just going to jump right into it then. And uh, so I think I'll read for, I don't know, 20, 25 minutes or so. You don't have a timer. <laughs> no, it's fine. I always have my watch. Okay. The tap. My mind is a town with Main Street looking like it's had its teeth punched in. Broken windows and empty lots. And then it's a bright Saturday morning and I'm riding my bike down to the beach. My parents relax on creaky lawn chairs. I can hear their every move. They are in the shade of a house made of bone and tar paper. My sister is screaming the house is on fire. We run to the Japanese neighbors, exiles like us, my mom whispers. In their tiny kitchen we drink cocoa where everybody is safe. My aunt is in a western bar. She throws, up her, cow she throws her cowboy hat in the air revealing her bald head. Everyone turns away, except me. Then my sister says she doesn't want to die, but she dies anyway. I am ten again. We go for a family picnic. I get car sick. The dust from the road, in my hair, clothes, mouth. When we arrive, I jump into a lake and find I can't swim. My father drags me out. When we return, a neighbor is skinning a bear on his porch, something he does regularly. The bear is staring at me. Its eyes get bigger and bigger until they become moons. I arrive at a friend's door just in time to overhear him say, I don't believe in sin. His parents tell him I'm just a little pagan. I try to keep creep away, but the floorboards thunder with every footstep. At home, my dog Chopper is smiling at me with a curled lip, and I am loving him in a moment so perfect the world opens for me. The moment is a silver hook cast into a bottomless lake, floating until it sinks. It's true, some memories cannot be turned off with sleep. I jolt awake, go for a glass of water, pull the curtains aside. The light in the yard beside the tree is hard yellow. The dripping tap punctuates the night. Hmm. 
So some are, another thing I was trying to do in the book is experiment with different forms. So some of these poems, the next one as well, are quite narrative, while the other poems are a little more experimental, and I'll get to a couple of those as well. This is called The Shop. The engines buckle and crash as my tiny hands shoot up over my ears. How big the world looks when there are ten engines in a row rumbling in their dragon lair, tamed by mechanics who shout and wave, at me, wave me away over the deafening. But they are too busy to bother with me. This place is like having the power of diesel in your belly, every limb shaking. Even though there are signs posted everywhere that says, say, this is private property, trespassers will be prosecuted. I come anyway. In midwinter, 30 below, this is my route to school. Cautiously, I cut through the shop, stopping momentarily at the steaming radiators for warmth. In the summer, when this climate sweats, it is reverse in here. The stone walls bleed coolness. Old man frown lives down the road, and when I spot him in his oily overalls, I beat it for the heavy doors. I'm afraid of him and run as fast as I can because sometimes his wife comes to see my mother with her eyes nearly swollen shut. She asks me to go to the drugstore for her. Okay, next one. Next one's, um, I don't know if this is any more upbeat. <laughs> So this is the this is the poem that uh, Clark and I turned into a film. What film? What film? Yeah. It's called Who is Bruce Kaufman? Where is Bruce Kaufman? He's <laughs> hiding. <laughs> it's, it's part of a larger part, film. Yeah. The larger film is about all the many poets. Cool. Well, not all of them. A lot of them. Thanks. So this is called On the Day the World Begins, and I think it's. Maybe I could call it a Kingston poem. On the day the world begins, will it be the strongest animal, the swiftest bird, or the tiniest insect that carries the news to humankind, announces rebirth in a roar, in a squeak, or maybe in silence? On the day the world begins again, will luminous light rise from parting clouds and unquestionable power and refract a miraculous prism of color, while the tallest white pine announces peace in a sprinkling of communion? On the day the world begins again, will those suspended behind bars, in and between gray ugliness, in their deadened shouts of protest, float beyond their circle of cigarette burns and crude tattoos, beyond their sharp cries of where they are and wish they were. On the day the world begins again, will their reimagined selves, the shape of thought, the shape of prayer, bend like molten steel in the fire at the center of the human heart? Will they rise beyond themselves and find their way home? On the day the world begins again, will the cages open for them? Dinner party. <coughs> so again, this is a little shift in form here. Dinner party. 
substratum of living, room conversation, pleasant company, books and a fireplace, safe and almost in the affairs of the day, gender, war, politics, reconciliation, TV. A fractured shift and a shadow jackpine scrapes its perpetual one-pitch note against the single-pane window. As a dinner plate zings and shatters, a white towel soaks up blood. And what was that? Another shift of head, and our gracious host stands before us, announcing it's time everyone rising on cue, like the sumptuous aroma, into a settling for six candles and fine china, brimming anticipation. While steps away, a fault line, you take heed to step across, temporal simulacrum, precambian rock cut, arboreal town, pre precarious shack, deceptive home, leaking shadow across easy smiles. Another narrative here. The Real Indians. One. When I asked my sister why Grandma refused to talk about the fathers of her children, the two men who walked out on her, leaving her to fend for herself, she looked hard at me because I was a man and it went without saying I wouldn't understand. After all, it was my kind who were the root of the problem. Once in a restaurant, I pressed her to explain, and she got up and walked out and left me sitting at the dinner table alone. Two. The real Indians weren't like us, Grandma used to stay, say, staring off into space. Though she spoke fluent Ojibwe Moan and grew up in the bush. The real Indians stayed out on the horizon, a paddle in the air to wave a greeting. They never approached. They didn't want the white man's disease. They didn't want anything to do with the white man. Three. When she was younger, Grandma moved to Toronto to work in the garment industry. Like many Indigenous people, she grew up sewing and used her skill as a way to survive. Her two daughters stayed in the village with their grandparents, and she traveled to see them when she could. She liked working for her Jewish boss, and she was proud of the work she did for him. Four. The real Indians only went to the Hudson's Bay Post when it was absolutely necessary. They lived off the land, hunted deer and moose, packed blueberries into neat birch bark baskets so thick you could slice the berries with a knife. The life they lived was rich, and they had the best of everything the bush could offer. They wanted for nothing. Five. When she was middle-aged, she was back in the North Country, as she called her home, and met an older trapper and married him. Her dreams of having a real husband had finally come true. She gave her, he gave her a son, but died soon thereafter. She spoke about this man, the love of her life, for the rest of her life. Six. 
The real Indian watched the, the real Indians watched the stars and told stories. A Dissokan, as old as the stars. Of <coughs> Nanabuzo, whose father is the West Wind. The real Indians never saw a beer parlor, or a bingo hall, or a television. Never saw a school of any kind. They never moved to reserves, or towns, or cities. They never even moved to Canada. <laughs> Seven. I was visiting her at the Aboriginal Wigwaman residence in Toronto, where she had moved to be close to her children. I had showed up with a bar stool for her because of, her, of she had a tall counter in the kitchen, and that's when she first told me about the real Indians. A fragment my grandmother longed for, elaborated upon as she got older and older and saw what had become of her people on Spadina Avenue, and maybe what had become of herself. Mm. Filament. Always that spectral fragment. Filament of line cast back there where open-mouthed fish gulp down shiny lures. I sang once in an auditorium to almost empty seats. I looked for my people in the seats, under the seats, behind the seats, but they weren't there. I called the three people who were there to come up and introduce themselves. They were young aspirants. They talked about themselves, their professional websites. They talked about their astronomical, astronomical aspirations. What they didn't talk about is why. Maja. <coughs> Time collapses everything. Organi, origami people were eventually blown away into uncertainty. Zagwe. Is that how you say it? It's that too. We all return, if only by the stars. For a while, we thought we could change the world. For a while, we thought we had a place in the world. The offers came, good ones. Corner offices, security, mortgages, investments, cars, boats, houses, memberships to health clubs, fan clubs, promotion, seduction, seduction, reduction, fame, fame, fame. He says, business is business. She says, look at me. I say, it was planned and bound to happen. Together, we held the thrashing fish in our hands and felt the world slip. Hmm. Red is a poem. A poem for multiple voices, loud voices, soft voices, old voices, young voices, singing voices, crying voices, voices that shout, voices that whisper, her voice, his voice, above all, your voice. Red is a poem, just out of reach. Red is a splash of blood in the snow. Red is putting down tobacco for a fresh kill. Red is the smell of frying moose meat. Red is the dribble sopped up with bannock. Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is your uncle drinking himself to death. Red is his nose. Red is your auntie sewing you new moccasins. Red is being proud of them. 
Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is not thinking the Washington Redskins are tradition. Red is George Armstrong, captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Red is Norval Morisot's observations of the astral world. Red is a one-way winter starlight tour. Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is Bell Helen Betty Osborne, murdered. Red is Dudley George, murdered. Red is Tina Fontaine, murdered. Red is Louis Riel, murdered. Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is the Beothuk, exterminated. Red is Christopher Columbus's sword, murderer. Red is President Andrew Jackson's rifle, murderer. Red is Duncan Campbell Scott's Indian policy, murderer. Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is Prime Minister John A. Macdonald's greased palm. Red is Can a country named Canada. Red is a continent renamed America. Red is a state as in a state of mind. Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is Mildred Bailey's big band voice. Red is powwow, rock and jazz, hip and hop. Red is cacophonous, melodious and unforgettable. Red is a world beaten to death. Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is learning to speak Ojibwe or Cree or Haida or Mi'kmaq. Red is shame as being shamed. Red is racism as in being erased. Red is denial. Don't touch that dial. Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is going to school and writing fuck Dick and Jane. Red is going to school and not speaking. Red is residential schools, lock and key and no way out. Red is Geronimo leading his people away to freedom. Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is Aunt Scott Mummaday's house made of dawn. Red is dawn. Red is Maria Campbell writing half-breed. Rare is Cher singing her 70s hit half-breed. Just kidding. Mm. Red is a poem just out of reach. Red is the perver proverbial apple and all that goes with it. Red is learning to see red, not rose-colored. Red is a sweet grass prayer. Red is a poem just out of reach. Wow. So, can we applaud? Or? <laughs> sure. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm going to read this one since you probably know this, some of you. There was an exhibition recently, or not, maybe I guess what, not too long ago, Scott would know this. When was Pauline Johnson's dress exhibited? Mm -hmm. <coughs> well, was, um, Last year? The artist, the artist herself showed. Yeah. Yeah. So I saw that, and this poem came out of it. It's called Pauline Johnson's Dress, 1892. Some of you who don't know who Pauline Johnson is, she was a poet and 19th century poet and uh, Mohawk and one of the very few indigenous writers actually actively writing at the time. And she was a big figure in her own right. Pauline Johnson's Dress, 1892. The first thing we notice is your hourglass waist. And we instinctively open our hands as if to hold you, one, all of us wondering if you wore a corset, the kind made of bone or metal designed to shape you into the perfect exotic specimen. Slight, we think, for a woman of your stature still standing on the edge of controversy. But we have to admit the buckskin dress you wore to dramatize your recitals disappoints us. Stiff, Faded, silver brooches tarnished, ermine trim yellowed, long dead. If it had eyes, they would be they would be glass. 
An accompanying performance poster features a daring young woman, Miss E. Pauline Johnson, and her unique and refined recitals of her own works, Canada's foremost comedienne and poetess, pathetic, <coughs> dramatic, patriotic, endorsed and applaud her. But here we are, and there you are, always on the hilt of separation. A play on words, and we're the ones bound to ask if your ability to arouse pity, sympathy, sadness made you the riveting stage present you th presence they say you were. Or did that old serpent of doubt crawl its way into you and truly make you feel pitiful, pathetic? Yes, here we are talking to ourselves in the sad 21st century, projecting onto you as so many have done before. Maybe we're the ones feeling inadequate, miserable, poseurs, when you in fact were the real thing, if such a thing exists. And what of love? Or should we dare ask? You would probably just laugh it off and maybe theme the embarrassment of your age. A cordon of wire and over a hundred years separate, separates us, my dear Pauline. There you are in that same dress, staring us down, arms bared, hands on hips, head tilted back, eyes flipping time, and here we are still trying to respond in the only way we know how. <laughs> So Zenwen Wegijian. Today I learned the word for kindness, a difficult word to pronounce. It sounds like tumbling water, something to float on the more you think about it, study it, parse it, realize its many meanings. One is a way of being. I take this to mean a way of living. Another meaning single signals inclusion implying generosity. And I wondered about this too. I thought it as an innate gift to be shared, a human patrimony. For some reason, this led me home, which leads me to ask, where is home? Is it the place we live? The place we come from? The place we die? Where would I go to find it? I searched a river, a river bank, and ended up standing beside the Kebiskwashishing, a boy running away, running back. The answer dripped, drip, dripped inside me, coursed through me. What it tells me is that not to find it, feel it in all its manifestations, is to be lost, stingy, greedy. Okay, wrapping it up here. I'll read couple more. Luck. Today the waterfront is wrapped in clear plastic. I search for another way to describe it. The beach, the town dock, the diving boards, the monkey bars, the old bandstand, all of it preserved in sunlight so bright it shines a hole right through you. That's me down there all angle and reflection. I have buried myself up to my neck in warm sand, and I am looking at the sky that is the lake, and the lake hurts to look at it. Then I hear a bell. People are shouting, but I am too far away. All the kids go off running. 
A friend's house is on fire and everyone is burned. I will hear about it tomorrow at school. I know they know bad things happen. Good things happen too, like when you find a dollar or something even more precious, like an ear or an eye, and there is no one to claim it except you. And it tells you things, shows you things, teaches you to beware. So I'm just going to finish up with two poems here. Nanabuzo. And Nanabuzo is, of course, uh, the Ojibwe Anishinaabe trickster figure. Mediator between humankind and spirit. <clears throat> On a perfect summer day, we gather around the old man. Those of us turn blue by impending loss. He says there's nothing to fear. He says it like an answer. He says the snow and ice and wind have carried much away, but everything once thought dead is returning like spring. There are stories faint as an echo that foretell of such things. At his bed, I touch his hand. It feels like paper. He says his mind is made up, but his body wants to hang on. It loves the earth. There is nothing he can do anymore, neither for himself nor his people, and he wants to cry. He has stayed human. On his mantle, there are photographs, angled to illuminate those he will leave, and yet not quite out of the glare, no matter how he positions them. No one, it seems, is ever clear enough. I wheel him outside for a cigarette, expect him to say something profound, but all he does is enjoy the smoke. He has already given enough. When I finally say goodbye, he says, I'll be seeing you, as though I'll see him tomorrow or the next day. Later, I think he is referring to eternity. <coughs> Walking the sunny street home, I am freezing. And as, as, as a last resort, I steal words to warm myself. Bits of conversation, grabbed and remembered, made my own. Think of Nanubuzo, who stole fire and brought it to humankind. Okay, so last poem is the poem that this old man told me. <coughs> it's over 100... It was given to him about 1973, Tommy. And the guy who gave it to him, uh, Dan Pine, was already an old man. So think about it, do the math. This piece is old. A wise man once told me, when the knock comes to your door, you will not be there to answer it. We have been undressing too long. It is time to put our clothes back on. You take the water that is still and the water that flows and all the things in the water. Bring them back here within you where they belong. You take the land and the rocks and the trees and all the animals and the insects who live in the fo those forests. Bring them all back too inside yourself. Then you take the birds, the air, the clouds, the stars, the sky, the whole universe. That too belongs inside you. And then we take all the people of the world 
every language in the world and bring that too back inside yourself where it rightfully belongs. When you have done that, you will be fully clothed and each foot will know exactly where to fall and you cannot make a mistake. When the knock comes to your door, you will be there to answer it. Thank, Thank you. you. Questions? If not, have a drink. <laughs> have something to eat. <laughs> but uh, can, can, can you explain again about that last poem? What what's, what's that it was told to you? Yeah, I can't was, explain it. You can't. <laughs> but it was told to you. It was told to me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he uh, he actually told it to me, and then he wrote bits of it down so I'd remember it. So that's you're getting it. In fact, if you buy the book, <laughs> there are notes at the back, and I actually talk about that piece a little bit, just how he gave it to me and where it came from. Great. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm happy to sign books. And you just heard uh, Armand Garnett Rufo reading from his latest book called Treaty Number and again published by Woolsack and Woolsack and Wind uh Win and uh it's uh, that was happened at on April 18th uh, at a book uh, launch event at Novel Idea Bookstore. I do have a couple of minutes is all for to tell you about some upcoming events but before I do that I want to first thank you for tuning in today and uh you have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon uh, from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online, www.cfrc.ca. And again, as I did in the first hour, I want to remind you that uh, both hours of today's show will be uploaded shortly after the show ends. Uh, to um, my uh, blog space, Finding a Voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com will remain there for four years. And uh, I'm going to jump into them really quickly uh, because I've only got about two and a half minutes, it looks like. So there's one uh, event uh, that I haven't uh, talked about happening before the next show, and it is uh, there is a writing group called the Limestone Writers, uh, each Wednesday they meet, uh, with the exception of those in August at 7 p.m. in room 239 of the Stauffer Library. And uh, they meet to critique and support one another's writing. Uh, the, it says here, fiction, poetry, nonfiction, and memoir are all represented. If you'd like to uh, be part of that, contact. Uh, it's Dave Pratt, and it's D. P-R-A-T-T-1939 at hotmail.com. And I can get at least one more call for submissions. Uh, Juniper is uh, just double-checking here. Yeah, till the end of the month. I thought I had another one till the end of the month. Oh, there are two. Uh, Juniper is uh, open for submissions. They're only open during the months of January, May, and September. 
Uh, so this is an open month. So their guideline says, please send up to three unpublished poems in the body of an email to the editors. They don't want any attachments at juniperpoetry at gmail.com. It says in your cover letter, please include the titles of your poems and a short bio. Tell you what, I'm going to give you their website for more info. Uh, www. or they've got https colon slash slash juniperpoetry.com. And uh, let's see. Yep, I'm not going to get into the other one. There's still more time, but it is the CBC Poetry Prize. So if you just type that in your search engine, it should take you right there. I want to thank you for tuning in today and hope you have enjoyed the show. Hope you have a great weekend, a great week. Uh, please do stay tuned for two hours of East Coast music in a show called Saltwater Music, as hosted by Rob Carnell. And it will begin uh, just at the top of the hour and probably just, well, not probably, it should come on right after uh, the, these announcements. Again, thanks for tuning in today. Have a great week. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.